This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, Lee, our guest today, I was reading his bio, super interesting. And get this, the company he has, he founded in the 2008 recession. This is a man who knows something about creating something out of nothing in very difficult times. Yeah. And those of us who've actually been through two recessions like this, you know, so this would be my third. It's like uh, the lessons that we picked up from the last ones are where we can definitely apply forward to this one. And so I'm really curious to hear what he has to say about that. I'm really curious to hear more about virtual assistants and, and, and why people need them or are using them these days. Definitely. Welcome, everybody, to Manage Smarter. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. All right. So on deck in the batter's box, Daniel Ramsey. Hi, Daniel. Good morning. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me today. That's great. Uh, Daniel, the founder and CEO of My Outdesk, the highest rated virtual assistant company in the marketplace with more than 500 verified five-star reviews and more than 13 years experience serving more than 6,000 clients across various industries. And Daniel's also going to share with us a grow virtual guide. It's going to help you figure out how to effectively transition to a fully remote or blended organizational model, reinvent the value in the changing market and grow virtual all while reducing your operational costs. I mean, it's a win-win like trifecta, right? Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, one of the things that's happening right now in the world, and we're in the middle of July, is that many companies are trying to figure out how to do remote, and they're realizing that that is actually the new operating model. And we've been, you know, fully remote for 13 years with 6,000, you know, folks. So, We've learned a few things and we put it into a guide. It's around 12 pages, but it has everything around, you know, what your tech stack needs to look like, what what kind of productivity tools to use, um, how to communicate, how to build culture. I mean, here's a big thing. You know, if you've got a dispersed, fully dispersed workforce like we do, you have to build culture differently. And so, and especially sales culture. So, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to give that away. I'm, I'm grateful to be here and just want to appreciate on you guys. Well, let's, let's drill down on that one a little bit. I mean, it's like, so how, in what ways do you believe that, that a remote culture, building a culture with remotes is different than everybody being in the same office? Well, so when you're in the same office, you have some, some form of tribal knowledge, right? You can tap the gal or the guy on the shoulder, show them how to do it right. And then there's like interactive stuff. They can see your face and expressions and there's just a little, it's easier to bring somebody up to speed, especially if they're a new person or to correct a thing if, if it's going wrong. In a remote culture, you have to actually create systems and processes to actually, you know, help people get better. And then you have to rely on those systems and processes to inform your one-on-ones. So one of my favorite things about a remote culture is it, it speeds up efficiency, number one, and it causes a business to really grow up because you have to have KPIs. You have to have, um, you know, a quality metrics, especially in the sales world around, are they serving your clients exactly the way you want them served? And that's kind of one of the things that I love um, about our business is I, I tell my team, look, you're going to serve our clients exactly the way I want you to serve our clients. And that 
And I just keep pounding that into them. In a remote culture, you have to create metrics around that. And that's what, that's, that's really what I love about being a fully remote team. Interesting. What are uh, metrics for culture though, specifically, what would be an example of that? Well, a great, a great example is every, every quarter we get together as a group virtually on a zoom. And I know that's not a big deal. Like that's, everybody's like, yeah, duh, Daniel, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. But we have breakout rooms and we work on the business together. We'll break people into their functional or organizational teams. And then we'll give them little business building kind of projects where they come with solutions and we pull them all back together in the main room. That's just one example. Last week for our sales team, um, our chief people officer actually sent a personalized gift to everybody in the team. So they, she's like, Hey, check your door. And then it was like, knock, knock, knock. And somebody delivered like their favorite beer. And one guy's a sports guy and another guy's a candy guy. So building culture remotely there, it caught, there's some tweaks. You can't sit around the coffee, you know, pot in the kitchen and talk and like mm -hmm. build relationships. You have to do it differently. Also your, your coaching is different. Totally. So, those are some of the examples. Every morning we have a sales huddle. Every week we do one-on-ones. You know, the team meets and reviews results on a, on a monthly basis. Those, the ways you do it are just a little bit different. And that's why we put together the guide. We have a virtual sales coaching platform called Sales Fuel Coach over at, over at Sales Fuel. And I don't, you don't normally plug our products, you know, very often during, during the show. But this, there's one feature of it, you know, that I really like a lot, but it's like, it, it's not something you know, we have all, all these other things that are more important, but it, it's called the favorite things. And we, we have a long list of, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's not really a survey. It, it, it's a profile where, where people go in and like, we ask what are your favorite type of flowers, favorite, you know, hot drink, favorite cold drink, you know, da, 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 favorite restaurant, yeah. hobbies, all that kind of stuff. And then we coach the sales manager around how to use that data then to, to reward their staff or to incentivize their staff. Uh, or sometimes just just to do something nice for for, for the team now and then, uh, and of course all of that is remote, so you can do a lot of that with gift cards and and all kinds of. It doesn't necessarily have to be stopping at Starbucks and picking up their favorite drink because you know they're in the Philippines or they're in Japan, so you can't yeah. really. So, well, Lee, one of my favorite things to do too is just have virtual coffee with your team. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, a CEO. I mean, imagine imagine as a company, you know, we've we've got more than a thousand people working for us, and in a building, the CEO's or the C-suite or the executive's wing is typically separate from the production. Right. It's unusual for the person who's brand new to the company to have access. And yet in this remote culture, we've always had a culture where we jump on a Zoom once a quarter and it's like, hey, we're doing coffee or we're doing a drink or we're doing, we're just doing CEO time. And that's another area where somebody who's, you know, at the lowest rungs of the company gets access to everybody at the C-suite. So building a remote culture doesn't have to be tough. It's, it's just, there's, you have to communicate at a much higher level. There's more frequency and you've got to build systems and processes around that reward stuff. It really has to be much more intentional. Ah, oh, my goodness. And yeah. the measurements are so much more, you know, most, most people are measuring results and those are good, but you have to also measure activity and the quality of that activity. If somebody sent a text message, email, and a phone call to somebody and never got them, well, are you looking at the quality of that message? Are you looking at the, the conversation that is happening? And most people just simply aren't. And you also have to look at the mindset that actually leads to the behavior, which actually generates the results. So you have right. to, if you, you yeah. really want, don't want to be coaching results, you, you know, you want to really be, be coaching mindset. 
Yep. Yep. And, and we haven't even talked about virtual assistants yet, which is, we're, we're so, going to, we're going yeah, to, it's <laughs> so funny. Um, but you know, here, here's the, here's the fun part, right? Leading teams, regardless of where they are in a sales organization, we believe we're a sales organization because we don't, we don't manufacture anything. We don't produce a product. You know, our, our, our business is really a matchmaker. We're a staffing company that is remote, we're in the Philippines. We help companies in the U.S. and Canada grow and scale and save money. We talked about operational, reducing operational costs. We surveyed our clients a couple of years ago just to find out what they believed we saved them. And it was more than $50 million compared to the regular alternative employee options. And so we, we're, we're pretty excited about the ability to help businesses scale, especially in the sales space. So what did you learn from the 2008 recession then that, that you used to build this business that, that those lessons, what lessons are you using now today? And, and that's one question. My follow-up question to that is like, and how does that lead to virtual assistants? Okay. So I, I'll start with the origin story. It's like, it's, it's a very simple story. I was on my honeymoon and Audrey, I think you read it uh, or in the book, it's the very first story, right? I'm in my honeymoon or I'm on my honeymoon in Guatemala in a Francis Ford Coppola resort. It's one in the morning. The, the, the bar is the only place that there's Wi-Fi. So I'm at the bar one in the morning. The, the bartender takes my phone, snaps a photo of me, and then starts making fun of me in Spanish. You know, and I was newer in my career at that time. I was newer to being an entrepreneur. I was only three years in. And, um, you know, the bartender saying stupid white guy on his vacation, beautiful bride, what are you doing working? And, and that's the story of most entrepreneurs or most leaders in, in business is that, you know, it's hard to get holidays. It's hard to, it's, it, you're working a lot. You're mm -hmm. leading a team. There's lots of stress. But at that moment, the epiphany for me was like, oh crap, I really want to be, I want to stay married. I'd like to build a family someday, you know, I, I'd like to have a business that's worth owning and all of that stuff. And so in that moment, I, I, I said I had to change everything and leverage became my, my kind of, I don't know, my mantra over the next five years. And so we really built systems and processes. I trained people in a way I'd never done before. I was like one of those entrepreneurs that had my thumb in all the jars and was making sure all the spinning plates didn't fall, you know? And uh, so we really started, you know, focuses on, on building a real business at that, at that moment. Um, lessons I learned. Say again? I was saying virtual assistants came out of that. Yeah, well, we hired we hired our first virtual assistant in 2007, and then in two, and this is before the four hour work week, and it's before Tim Ferriss, and really tried India, China, some places in Europe, and we landed on the Philippines uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, English is a first language there. Mm -hmm. All their all their car, you know, the street signs, the the medical journals, the the laws, they're all written in English. They learn English in in first grade and on. The traffic um, is the same as it is in LA. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the the culture is very American. I mean, it's a very American culture uh, for the fact that they're mostly Catholic. So they're you know they're right in Asia, right and wrong. Um, in in Phil in the Philippines actually lines up with right and wrong in the U.S. So yeah. they that, don't like it when you cuss though. That's the, that's the one thing I deal with people in the Philippines. They don't like it when I when you drop an f bomb at all. <laughs> no, no, they don't. And uh, so so that we landed on the Philippines. 
Um, a friend of mine in 2008 said, hey, Daniel, could you help me get some? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I, I need to hire some virtual assistants. This is amazing. You're saving money. We ended up helping that particular guy, our first client ever. He started with five people. He ended with 17 people. And we reduced his operational costs by over $100,000 every two weeks. Wow. And when that happened, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a real business. This, this business actually has legs. And um, since then, we've helped 6,000 people um, really grow and scale. We're saving money. We're helping them basically reduce all of the minutia in their day. The reality is, I mean, as a sales leader or, or a CEO or, or an executive, your number one focus should be growing the business or transforming the business, right? And you find leaders like I was on my honeymoon doing work that just really isn't that important, right? And so what we try to do is we, we, we talk with our clients, we find out what their needs are, we find out who's on the team, what's their system and process, you know, what, what, what's your tech, uh, tech stack, and who do you need on your team in order to actually grow and scale? And if you were to give away the least important stuff, what would that be? And then we try to create or, uh, like a job description and, and, and give them a virtual assistant to really help them you know, focus on what's important. And the other thing I was thinking of you as a manager or, or as a leader or a CEO, it's like, again, what you make, you know, what, what you actually, you know, cost the company, your compensation. Yeah. And ask yourself, like, is there somebody that could do this as well or better and, 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 and cheaper? We call then, it compound leverage. This is, I mean, okay. it, and it's a very, it, it, here, here's the thing. If you figure out the things that just don't matter and you can give them away and you get, 25 or 40% of your day back. And then you take that time and you focus it back on the business to actually grow or get more deals or transform some project or just move the boat forward, right? That's compound leverage, especially if you give away 40% of your day and you never have to do, do those tasks again. Yeah. If, if you're, but it's something, if it's something that, that doesn't matter, wonderful. you shouldn't be doing it at all. But so, so it's something that matters, but, but there's somebody who's equally qualified or better qualified that costs less. That's to right. Do it. Yeah. Yep. So you wanted to talk a little bit about reinventing value um, for those of folks who are say, A, what is that? And B, how do I do it? And C, why? It's a good question. And it's it kind of four letters, Audrey. Watch out. Why? Good at math. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting is I think it ties into Lee's question um, about what we learned in the last recession. Um, in the last recession, uh, it was 2000, you know, for me in California, it, you really started to see it in 2006, but it landed Q1 of 2007. And, and the rest of the country and Canada, and you know, it's different depending on where you are. Um, but in 2007, we lost 90% of our revenue in one quarter. Literally, mm. I, I was a developer, contractor, uh, real estate broker, mortgage guy. We were developing land. We were, you know, basically we we're in the real estate game. And that 90% of our revenue just simply went away overnight. I mean, you know, and we had a three offices, huge staff. And, uh, you know, I had, to, I had to lay a lot of people off. In that moment, what I realized is that we had to shift our business and that leads into the value proposition, you know, conversation. A lot of people, you know, 
rely in the sales world on handshakes, hugs, relational selling. And today, if you're not doing virtual selling, if you're not experienced with Zoom calls, if you're not experienced with building rapport inside of a process or a system, like that's what has to shift because your clients now want it. They don't want to give you a handshake. They don't want to hug you. And so you've got to get really, really good at communicating virtually and growing virtually, which is why we put together the guide. And, you know, one of my favorite examples is we have a, um, we have a really large franchise cleaning company on the East coast and we were going through this pandemic and we're, you know, I brought all of our customers in and we kind of talked about, Hey, what do we need to do to shift? What's the thing? What, how are we going to survive this world? And for this cleaning company, it was like, it happened overnight. It was like this light bulb went off and she said, you know what? We have to be the, you know, certified COVID cleaners. We need to follow the CDC's guideline. We need to do the thing that matters. And they were cleaning offices and guess what? All the offices were closed. Nobody was going in. So their weekly cleanings that were happening two or three times a week ah, turned yes. into once or twice a month. And, that on, and so they had a big exodus of revenue. Yeah. And so they pivoted fast to the COVID, certified COVID cleaner and they followed the CDC guidelines and they you know, added their own kind of process and they explained it to the clients and then, and, and they, they've survived. Let's circle back a little bit on some of those tasks then that, that CEOs and, and high level managers shouldn't be doing. What are the types of things that a good virtual assistant can do for a company? Well, it's, it's a great question. Um, we've got basically four positions that we fill here at my outdesk. I'm going to focus on the sales side and I'll, I'll explain the admin side, but on the sales side, you know, we have call audits that happen every week. And that's where somebody listens to a one hour sales conversation for our sales team. Then our sales development reps who are virtual assistants, that's another example. They're doing five to 15 minute conversations where they're qualifying our ideal clients, making sure they have everything they need to be successful. Both of those calls, you know, could be an hour and a half worth of listening to somebody to give them a review. That's a big deal to just to score those calls. You know, we have five salespeople. We ask that two sales calls every week are scored. So you're talking about that's 25 hours of just listening. Never, never mind filling out the form to make sure that they've done it right. So quality control. We also have what, what I call a director of traffic. Somebody who's just making sure all the leads are getting, you know, served exactly the way that we want them. The speed to lead is there. We're, we're making sure that all of, the, all of the administrative work on the sales side is handled and taken care of. Scheduling appointments, making sure the calendars are set, making sure capacity is full. These are just some of the examples on the sales side that we help. Let's go to the administrative side. Yeah, my favorite, the administrative. I mean, you know, no sales leader should book their own calendar or even really, in my opinion, mess with their own emails. Like that's a, that's a simple, easy process right there um, to get rid of for a sales leader. Also, you know, the, the sales leaders on the, on the admin side, think of all the projects that you need to have done. Think of all the marketing and sales communication that has to get done. Think of all the one-on-ones that you have to schedule. Think all of the space of work um, that, you know, for a sales organization has to happen. It just doesn't have to be you. As a sales leader, your number one thing is bringing your people up and making sure they're performing at a high level. There's a ton of metrics and back-end data that has to get 
you know, funneled up mm-hmm. to them so that they can coach. Um, and the, you know, and I, I didn't, we have sales development reps. We didn't talk too much about this where, you know, their job is to answer the leads when they come in, qualify the clients, make sure that they're, you know, the appropriate type of client for your product or service. Just somebody who's on the phone and handles every call that comes in, all the website inquiries, all the emails. All, I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge time suck for a sales organization. Um, and people are calling. I mean, the other day we had a, um, a person, hey, I want a job. I'm like, okay, well, you're on the sales side. You didn't go to the HR side, you know, and it turns out this person is a competitor and, you know, that's not something for me to, as a sales leader to do. That's, that's something that somebody, you know, they can look up the LinkedIn. They, they were trying to find out about our process, right? And so that was something that our virtual assistants handled and none of the sales team in the U.S., the people with the experience and the license and all the information that they need um, to win with customers, that's just not in their highest and best use. It's fascinating. It's a whole new way of, it's like you've flipped it on its head, the way that the, the traditional model versus the way that you're working. I think it's so great. Um, if you guys would like to interface with Daniel and his amazing team, it's uh, myoutdesk.com. Twitter, it's, it's pretty consistent, all your social, right, Daniel? Your Twitter is myoutdesk, LinkedIn, myoutdesk, and right. Facebook myoutdesk.llc. That's how you um, brand right there. That's there you, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you wanted the grow virtual thing, yes. you can actually text. And so it, our, our logo is MOD. So my right. outdesk. So in order to get the grow virtual guide, which has cultures, the tech stack that you need, the systems and processes that you need, plus some, Hey, we've been doing this 13 years. Try these tricks. They'll yes. work. Uh, guide. That's that, that's what we'll call it. Try these tricks guide. You know, the, it'll work. But anyways, what you do is you text MOD to 31996 and you'll get our grow virtual guide. Um, and with that, you can kind of read it, check it out. It's really easy. Um, I, I have our, our marketing team they're, they're, it's funny because I'm like, look, you got to talk to me like I'm a second grader. Our marketing <laughs> has to be very easy to understand and super valuable, right? And so um, it, our Grow Virtual Guide, it's, it's very bulleted. It's very simple to follow. And we have the details if, you, if you're a detailed person behind that. I love it. I'll put that in the show notes. So everybody go there if you can't remember the number that he just rattled off. And your book, Scaling Your Business with MOD Virtual Professionals, Pick that up as well. Daniel, great ideas, great tips, great ways of thinking. I've got to chew on some of this when we hang up, I think. I'd love to serve you guys here at the (laughs) podcast and your sales organization. Yeah, and and, you know, here's the wildness. The the, the question that I always ask uh, leaders and CEOs is, if there was one thing that you needed to do or have on, or one person that you needed to hire on your team in order to double your business, what would that look like? And those are the, mm-hmm. that's the best starting questions when you're thinking about leveraging virtual assistants and really scaling a business. That sounds good. Well, thanks for being on the show. I enjoyed the conversation, Daniel. And thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.